Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. One of the greatest missionaries of all time. His name is David Livingston. And David Livingston, he gave his life to reach the unreached people of Africa to share the gospel. And when David Livingston died, they brought his body back to London and he was buried in Westminster Abbey. They had a great funeral for him. There were throngs of people that crowded the city of London. And one man was weeping loudly, even above the crowd. Another man standing next to him said, did you know the missionary? The man said, did I know him? I grew up with him. We were boyhood friends. In fact, we both went to Africa together. The man went on to say, I went to Africa for the gold, and he went to Africa for the souls. He went on to say, today I can't help but realize that I've been chasing after the wrong world. Doesn't it beg the question, what are we chasing after? What world are you chasing after? So I read the story in preparation for today's sermon, and I thought of those words and and how they apply to Saul before he was Paul. You remember Paul on the road to Damascus at that point, his name was Saul. And at that point in his life, are you listening? His affections, his attention, he was chasing after a temporary world. It was a world built on institutional religion, a world built on Judaism. But don't you remember that day? In Acts chapter 9, as Saul was on the road to Damascus, The Bible tells us that he was breathing out threatenings and he was breathing like a war horse seeking to kill Christians because he hated God at that point. He hated Christians and he hated the church. And while on the road to Damascus, he he sees a bright light. He falls to the ground and he hears a voice that says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? Now, I have my own speculations as to why he would say, who are you, Lord? I really believe that 
It's very possible that he was referring back to the Lord two chapters before that Stephen saw standing to receive him as Saul was standing there stoning Stephen to death. And what a powerful witness that was. What an awesome testimony that was. As they're stoning him and these big old rocks are coming down on his head, Stephen, what a witness that was. And, 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 God, and God stopped him dead in his tracks. Stopped him dead in his tracks. And, and it was in that moment in Acts chapter 9 that he goes from persecutor to preacher. He goes from a chief antagonist to an ultimate protagonist. And at that moment in his life, he loved God. His life was changed just like that. And he loved God. And he served God. And he loved to share the gospel. And he loved the work of the ministry. Now, if you've been with us in our, in our study in the book of Romans, you know so far we have learned a lot about Paul. And, and we've learned that Paul was an incredibly bright and intelligent man. Would you agree with that? He's incredibly intelligent. And we've learned a lot from this great epistle of doctrine and theology, the book of Romans. Paul's got all this theology, all of this doctrine, but I'll tell you something, saints. It's one thing to have all this theology and all of this doctrine, and it's another thing to allow that theology and the doctrine to change your heart. And that's what we see here in chapter 15. We're going to see the heart of a pastor. You got a pen, got a pad? We're going to take some notes and move a little bit quicker. We're going to talk about the ministry of Paul. Number one, here's an outline that we're going to be working from today, talking about the ministry of Pastor Paul. Number one, he had a partnering ministry. You're going to find that in verses 14 through 15. He had a partnering ministry. And then number two, he had a priestly ministry. You'll find that in verse 16. And then we're going to talk about not only did he have a partnering ministry and a priestly ministry, but he had a powerful preaching ministry. We'll find that in verse 17 through 19. And then number four, we'll talk about the ministry of Pastor Paul. He had a pioneering ministry. Notice all these P's. I worked on these all week. <laughs> all P's. I'm trying to make it easy for you, my people. He had a pioneering ministry. We find that in verses 20 through 29. And then finally, we'll talk about he had a, pre, uh, pardon me, a prayerful ministry. A prayerful ministry, we find that in verses 30 through 33. Talking about the ministry of Pastor Paul, he had a partnering ministry, a priest, priestly ministry, a preaching ministry, a pioneering ministry, and then finally, a prayerful ministry. That's what we're going to talk about today. We pick up our study in Romans chapter 15, in verse 14. If you're looking at it, say Amen. Well, some of y'all ain't looking, so I'm going to wait. <laughs> Romans chapter 15, saints, beginning in verse 14, saints. If you're looking at it, saints, say amen. amen. Thank you. Now, I myself, Paul says, am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are, what does it say? Full of goodness 
filled with all knowledge, and what else? Able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles, watch this, might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in what saints? Word and in what? Deed. To make the Gentiles obedient in many signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit. So that from Jerusalem and round about to Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. And then he goes back and grabs an Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 15, as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Saints, stop right there. Number one, Paul had, in verse 14, a partnering ministry. Now, keep in mind, give me your attention, up to this point, Paul has shared some very strong points in the book of Romans. He talked about the wrath of God as revealed from heaven. He talked about the warfare that's in the flesh in Romans 7. He talked about the need to love one another. And so you got to keep in mind, are you listening? He's writing to a church, a physical church just like this one. Let's call it the Calvary Chapel in Rome. And these Christians, as they're reading this letter, they probably thought, man, I wonder what Paul thinks of us. He must think we're a bunch of wimpy, immature Christians. He must think that we don't love each other. He must think that our church is completely divisive and we're a bunch of racists walking around in the flesh. And so it seems that Paul is writing them and he's saying, listen, I'm not mad at you. It says in, 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 verse, um, in verse 15, he says that I'm seeking to remind you and encourage you. Paul says, hey, I am a partner with you. And then he tells them three things. He makes three points to let them know. Number one, he says that they are full of goodness. In other words, their hearts are right. And then he says that they were complete in knowledge. Don't you love that? These Christians in this church were serious Bible students of the scriptures. Amen, saints. Amen, saints. They love the word of God. I love the word of God. You should love the Word of God. They loved the Bible. They were complete in knowledge. It doesn't mean they knew everything. It means they were students of the Bible. And then it says that they were able to admonish or instruct one another. You see, this is how it works. Because their hearts are right and because they know the Bible, they're able to instruct one another as they seek to follow God. Paul says, I'm a partner with you. Over and over in the scriptures, Paul talks about partnership, that he was a partner together. In Philippians chapter one, if you're taking notes, you look it up in your own time. Paul talks about the believers are partakers or partners with him in grace. In Philemon 17, 
He says, if you then count me as a partner, receive another brother. Second Corinthians 8.23, talking about Titus as a partner in ministry with Paul. Paul never get this, saints. Paul never saw himself as an individual. He saw himself as a partner on the team. We're all in this thing together. We're all just trying to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Amen, saints? We have to be careful that we don't have the us for no more club. You'll get that on the way home. We're partners, you know, Presbyterians, Baptists. We may have these disagreements and little areas of non-essentials, but we are partners. Amen, saints? Seeking to get the gospel out. Nobody's more important than the other. We're partners. You know, I remember my pastor told me years ago, he said, Rodney, in the church, there are no big eyes and little U's. Isn't that true? I like that. There's no big eyes. Nobody's more important than another. We're partners together. Not only does Paul have a partnership ministry, point number one, but point number two, he has a priestly ministry. Would you go ahead and look at verse 16 again in your Bibles? That I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Now the word minister, listen, could also be translated priest. And a priest is a go-between between God and the people. So in the temple, if you've been around here on Wednesday nights, you know that in the temple, the priest would offer sacrifices to God. In other words, listen, Paul is saying, I have a priestly duty of offering sacrifices to God. And the offering, watch this, that Paul is giving to God is the Gentiles that he brought to faith in Christ. Hmm. Now, when a Jewish person, listen close, when a Jewish person read this, they would say, what? Because if you know your temple history, you know the temple was divided into several areas. And one of the areas that the temple was divided into, actually it was the largest area, was called the Court of the Gentiles. And the court of the Gentiles, if, they, if you tried to go past the court of the Gentiles, there was this marble wall. And on the marble wall, there was a plaque that read, death to any Gentile who crosses this line. So the Gentiles were excluded and couldn't come to God. But what Paul is saying here in verse 16 is he's saying, as a priest, They are the holy, they, the Gentiles, are the holy offering of God. Is that not beautiful to you? Because Jews didn't like Gentiles. Jews thought that Gentiles were fodder for the flames of hell. They thought Gentiles were dogs. Jews didn't like Gentiles. So Paul is saying that he, has, he is offering, as a priest, metaphorically speaking, he's saying that I'm offering the Gentiles unto God. In other words, the Gentiles can come to God. They can come close to God. Unlike the temple area that says, stay away, back away, Gentile. Paul says they're an offering 
unto God. You getting that? Shake your head if you're getting it. Some of y'all doing this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says this, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the wall of separation. Now listen, Paul is talking about, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is talking about the wall in the temple that had that plaque on it that said, Death to the Gentiles. So because, get this, of Jesus, you know this. We can all come to God. Amen, saints? Because of Jesus, the wall that separated the Jew from the Gentile has been broken down. God has made one new man in Christ Jesus, and we call him or her the Christian. There's only three classes of people in the Bible. There's Jew, there's Gentile, and somebody help me, and there's Christian. Jesus broke down the wall that separated us. And so now, listen, God doesn't love Jews more than he loves Gentiles. God doesn't love black people more than he loves white people. God doesn't love white people more than he loves Hispanic people. God doesn't love Baptist people more than he loves Assemblies of God people. He doesn't love non-denominationalists. Shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. He doesn't love non-denominationalists more than he loves denominationalists. Thank you, Lord. He doesn't love doctors more than he loves lawyers. I might want to think about that one for a minute. Actually, one of my good friends is, is an attorney, and... Uh, and, uh, and he, his wife is here, and I won't point her out, and, uh, but, uh, but I love y'all anyway, and I'm not going to even look their way. Yeah. You see, now get this, now get this, stay with me here. Paul is talking about being a priest metaphorically from the standpoint of evangelism only. In other words, listen, Paul would tell someone how to get saved, and then they would pray and receive Christ. And then he would offer them to God. But once they are converted, listen, Paul is no longer their priest. Get this. The new convert becomes a priest unto God. In other words, once a person becomes a convert, the convert becomes a priest. The Bible teaches, perhaps you might want to write this down. The Bible teaches the priesthood of all believers. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 tells us, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own, what saints? Special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. In other words, listen, every believer is a priest and has access to God. There are no go-betweens. Somebody say amen. amen. First Timothy tells us there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There are no go-betweens. Now listen, I come from a Catholic background. And 
I remember as, you know, I, you guys know I went to Catholic school from one grade one through the 10th grade and I got kicked out and that's another sermon. <laughs> and I remember being in Catholic school all of those years, you know, I, I had learned in that environment that I needed to go to the priest if I wanted to be forgiven of sin or if I wanted to go to God. Anybody else? Okay, good. That's a lot of you. And, and, and I had been told that, you know, like, it's like the, the, you go to the priest and the priest talks to Mary and Mary talks to the saint and the saint and the saint talks to Jesus and Jesus talks to the father. And then the father tells Jesus, Jesus tells the saint, the saint tells Mary and Mary tells the father and the father tells you. Well, listen, it's like, man, if I wanted to hear from God and get a prayer answer, boy, I better start early because we got a process we got to work through. But the Bible teaches that we can now come boldly to the throne of grace to receive help and grace and mercy in a time of need. So the convert, I'll wait, go ahead. So, so the convert becomes a priest. The Bible teaches the priesthood of all believers. We don't need to go to anyone. We don't need to go through Mary to get to the Father. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know, that reminds me of this story, perhaps you've heard it, of this cute little boy. Listen, this cute little five-year-old Mexican-American boy living in East L.A. in the barrio. And he really wanted a skateboard, but his mom and dad couldn't afford it. They live in a small apartment, and in the apartment, they have a small little altar set up with candles and a picture of religious settings and a statue of Mary. And so the little boy grabbed his rosary beads And he starts praying. He says, oh, God, please, on my birthday, would you bring me a skateboard? Everyone has one. Could I have one, too? Well, his birthday came and went, and no skateboard. Well, Christmas comes around, and he gets before the altar once again, and he said said his Hail Marys, and he said, God, I really want a skateboard. Could I have one for Christmas? Well, his parents couldn't afford it, and no skateboard. Well, after about a month, he once again went before the family altar, lit the candles, and suddenly he reached up, and he grabbed the statue of Mary, and he ran out of sight. Well, he came back to the altar, and he said, now, God, if you ever want to see your mother again. (laughs) My Catholic brothers and sisters can appreciate that. You know, we don't need to go to anybody. We come directly to Jesus. Isn't that good news? We come directly to Jesus. Point number three, we got to move on. Notice Paul talking about he had a partnering ministry and a priestly ministry. And notice Paul also had a powerful preaching ministry in verses 17 through 21. Paul was metaphorically a priest, but literally he was a preacher. Paul was a powerful, fiery preacher, and I like that. Somebody once said, I should remind you, I've told you before, if you're a minister, you're a preacher. Somebody once said, put some fire in your sermon, or what? Put your sermon in the fire. Amen. (laughs) There is nothing more painful. I I can't think of anything more painful. Stick pins in my eyes. But I can't think of anything more painful than listening to someone who is boring about the gospel. This is the most exciting book you shall ever read. I can't even imagine. 
Only half the audience agrees with that. I can't believe it. I, I, I can't imagine somebody taking God's word and making it boring. Listen, this book is exciting. God has a sense of humor and it's fun. And you should take the time to read it. And if you're a preacher, please do it passionately. Don't be boring and wow. The Lord said, judgment. Be like, <laughs> people come to me all the time, but honestly, pretty regularly, and they say, you know what, Pastor? That was a really great sermon. And I got to tell you, I didn't fall asleep one time. <laughs> you ever hear something you're like, is that a compliment? Is there a compliment in there somewhere? Because I'm reaching for it there. <laughs> Paul loved God's word. And he was a powerful preacher of the gospel. And the reason why he was a powerful preacher of the gospel, because look at verse 17. He says, I will glory in Christ. And I will only speak of those things that Christ has accomplished in me in word and deed. Listen, when Paul bragged, listen, Paul was a bragger. Paul loved to brag. There's nothing wrong with bragging. You're like, what, Rodney? I never heard that before. No, there's nothing wrong with bragging as long as you're bragging and boasting in the Lord. Amen? Amen? amen. Bragging and boasting in yourself, that stinks. You can say amen right there. It's true. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.